Hello and welcome to another episode of the More From Law podcast. I'm your host, Harry Clark. This episode features Akil Hunt, a future trainee solicitor at CMS and managing director of the New Black UK social enterprise movement. We discuss his social enterprising to date, entrepreneurship generally, diversity and inclusion within the profession, and his route through the training contract application process with tips for candidates who are applying. Let's get into it. So, hi, Akil. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. No, it's a pleasure to have you here. I know we've met once before in person, um, but it's great to finally have you on here. Um, and funny enough, I did meet you originally through LinkedIn, which is what we were actually <laughs> talking about today, um, yep. in part. So, uh, but before we get into too much of that, um, a nice little icebreaker question I like to ask all my guests is, um, what was your kind of reasons for wanting to get involved with the profession? And what's your sort of background state for people who uh, haven't had the chance to hear from you? For sure, no. Thank you, first and foremost, for inviting me, man. I really appreciate no, pleasure. it. My pleasure. I'm very happy to share this platform with you. Um, and in terms of my background, so as you know, man, my name is Akil Hunt. Um, I'm a multi-award-winning law graduate from Notre Dame University. Mm. And I'd say that because it sounds nice, not because I actually believe <laughs> that I've won all those awards. It just sounds nice when I say it. Yeah. Um, but in terms of my background, born and raised in London, um, you know, I lived in London my whole life, more towards West London, apart from London University. And in terms of my background of getting into law, um, it was quite nuanced because law was always something I wanted to go into, mm-hmm. but it wasn't always something that I actually believed I could do because I didn't have many role models around me when I was younger in order for me to be able to look at and say, I want to be like them as a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So for me, finding my way into the industry was quite challenging. And I'd say as I grew up, my family were very supportive of my ambitions and they were trying to provide me with as much information as possible in order for me to get that platform to get into the industry. Mm. And there was one turning point in my life where things changed before I went to university. And that's when I was in college and I had a teacher who literally tried to make me think like a lawyer in my A2. And mm. he was trying his best to make me understand the sources, make me understand how to analyse this information. Mm. And it really allowed me to explore how a lawyer might think in practice or might think in practice at the point at which I knew what a lawyer did at the time, which was Mm. not much. So for me, that really helped build the core skills that I needed in order to understand what it's like to be a lawyer later. So once I went to university, I went to lots of events. I had lots of exposure to the industry, lots of internships. And, you know, not having that initial understanding of the industry actually helped me form a more authentic understanding of the industry from my perspective and then I used that experience in order to amplify that. So hopefully now as a future trainee solicitor at, of CMS, it means now I can use that platform to keep moving forward. Mm, absolutely. And I can see just hearing you talk about how you're kind of wanting to learn more about that platform, what lawyers do, it's inspired you to do all the things you're doing right now in terms of your um, you know, LinkedIn exploits and uh, the New Black UK, which I'm sure we'll get onto. But um, firstly, just you know, LinkedIn and in terms of how we actually met and uh, you're using the platform, <laughs> um, it's kind of a bit similar to me, I guess, in terms of wanting to you know, educate students about what, what training contracts are and how you can kind of try to improve your application process. What was your kind of, um, I guess, background into using LinkedIn going from that first day of just opening the website through to where you are now um, providing advice to students and creating content for sure for sure so I don't think you can forget the first day you open LinkedIn because <laughs> it's such an intimidating platform because there's so many cool people doing some cool stuff mm. that it's just like wow I don't know if I can be like these guys mm. but ultimately when I first went onto the platform I remember so vividly it was at a point in my life where I was quite low 
because mm. I didn't feel like I was achieving all I wanted to. Having called the back of an awesome first year university, having so many things achieved, I went into my second year thinking, wow, I don't really know what I'm going to do now. So even though I had a plan, I was lacking confidence and I used LinkedIn to help me build that confidence. So I literally started by writing things on the platform to give myself some motivation to get through on mm. the time that I had. And it was really positive at the time and it really helped to take me forward going into my second year. But there was a turning point in that use, using of the platform that really triggered me to want to use it a lot more. And mm. that was around a time where I got rejected a couple of times for some a, a vacation scheme interview and a video interview mm. for top law firms. And I just thought to myself, you know what? I can do this. I actually wrote something like rejection only breathes strength. You know, I'm going to get stronger. Mm. And then loads of people really appreciated that. And I was like, wow. So people can really resonate with what I'm going through in my own life. And they want to build something with me in order to, you know, support what I'm doing, but also be supported. So literally, I just started to do Monday Motivations from then. And I started to post on the platform regularly. So I've been using uh, LinkedIn for the past few years. I've been doing Monday Motivation for the past three to four years. I've been posting throwbacks on Thursdays every now and again. I've been posting about other people's achievements on Feel Good Fridays. So I've been trying to use the platform in a way where I can keep supporting people and even spotlighting people that are doing really good stuff on the platform to allow them to showcase, you know, to the world, like how much they've achieved given their circumstances too. So yeah, man, I've loved LinkedIn so much. It's awesome. And I can tell just again, listening to you say that there's so many similarities between, um, you know, both of our kind of, I guess, uh, entries into using it as a platform. And uh -huh. I think the main message there is that, you know, sharing your own personal story and the way that you go through, you know, your ups and downs, successes, your adversities and all those things um, is one of the really great ways to kind of use it as a platform and to try and literally connect with people beyond the kind of artificial way of doing it and really kind of sell yep. your story and what it is you're all about. Um, yep. And I can tell that, you know, that actually leading into really nicely the kind of new black and what that is all about mm -hmm. um, and how it kind of started as a university society and was built up from there to where it is today so you know talking about the new black uk i know you founded it and the managing director what was your kind of thoughts behind um, wanting to spread that message um, mm -hmm. and how you've kind of used linkedin to do that as well for sure for sure so uh, that's a quite compact question i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna break this down in some detail yeah so take a deep breath <laughs> <laughs> i'll take a big deep breath um in terms of the society so I thought of the New Black concept in January 2016 mm -hmm. and it actually happened because I was watching something at the time um, and I was watching it and I was thinking to myself, why do I think like black is looked at in this way, like in terms of black people? And I was thinking to myself of all the connotations that come out of the word black in a societal context, in terms of its association with death, negativities, funerals. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking, why is black seen like this? Why is it not like a new black? And it's like, wow. And... For me, that concept evolved out of the fact that I wanted people to look beyond what they see on the surface and overcome the negative ideas that they may be putting towards themselves or their society. Mm. Because ultimately, I want the concept to be a hub for people to come together who are like-minded and want to progress and succeed and help other people overcome the challenges they're facing in their lives. Mm. So we started off as a society. We were meant to start in our second year, but we postponed it for a year because I had a lot of self-doubt. And I didn't feel like I had done a lot of development to lead it um, in the way that I'd like to. And then I came back to it at the end of my second year. And then that was a time where we really scaled it up. We had a big team, seven people in the committee, all co-founders of the society. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we held events throughout the year. We had a big event um, that was actually nominated for best event of the year where we're talking about, you know, hate crime in Nottingham from mm-hmm. uh, religious, LGBTQ and racial perspective. We were talking about growth mindset. We are talking about motivational speeches by judges. We are doing presentations, skills workshops, networking skills workshops, you name it. We basically done it. So mm-hmm. we was doing that in our first year. And I felt like that was really good year, not just because we won three awards from the student union um, as a result of the work, but also because we managed to actually build something that mm. made an impact to the point where I finished university, Harry, and no word of a lie. I looked on my Snapchat and someone sent me on the exam period, hashtag the new black. And I thought to myself, <laughs> we've done something here because yeah. they're actually getting through the exam period through this concept. Mm. So yeah, that was the society growth. That's really cool. And I've only seen it go from strength to strength to date. And, um, you know, going on your profile and seeing everything you're doing, you've been going across the UK, going to universities, giving these workshops and talks. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess you've kind of been employing those sort of um, entrepreneurial skills to do that. And it's For now sure. turned into this sort of social enterprise, isn't it? Yep, it has. Um, and it's interesting you said that because the society is still running now. So it's being led by the wonderful president at the moment, Tanya. Um, she's mm-hmm. doing a great job with the team, working together to move forward in society. Um, and the social enterprise is basically the next evolution of that. Mm-hmm. So essentially, the social enterprise comprises of um, five people mainly. Um, the technical director, um, Gio Sway, the marketing director, Charlene, um, the branding and graphics officer, Mike, and um, the ambassador, Dee, um, who co-founded the society with me. Um, mm-hmm. They all either come from the society or knew about the, society, the, the concept before it was a society. So they've all been in this for the long run. And they've all supported this for the past few years. And we're basically making a social enterprise to inspire and motivate young people from less privileged and marginalized communities to succeed against adversity in their personal pressure development. Mm-hmm. Um, we create programs, workshops, events, conferences, some of you seen on LinkedIn, um, to enable to help us achieve that. We create media content, um, which as you know, s- soon we'll have more coming out in the mm-hmm. near future, aim to help achieve that goal. Um, we've been hopefully soon partnering with corporations to run programs initiatives um, in order to achieve our goal for our target audience as well as consult organizations institutions um, and corporations on their diverse inclusivity widening access and and the participation as well as their corporate social responsibility schemes so that's kind of the aim we're trying to achieve as well as collaborate with like-minded organizations to achieve that mm. so it's quite a big mission it's going to take a very <laughs> long time um, and it's not easy to manage alongside LPC as you know yeah, but absolutely. I think the firm really supports what I'm doing and my team really supports what I'm doing so I think we're in a good space that's really awesome and I think it's such a great cause to get behind and uh, you hinted there about time management skills I can only imagine that having to run that alongside everything else you're doing is, uh, <laughs> is a stretch but it's it's a great thing to do and uh, you know when you believe in something and you think you're passionate about it it's um you know it's, it's a joy to work on and I, I can just see that coming across every time you make something to do with it yep. um, and you know when you're going across and giving all of these kind of you know, workshops and these talks and you're making all this content um, you know for some people that comes naturally I don't know if you're one of those people but mm-hmm. um, in terms of you know giving up and giving presentations or just public speaking in yeah. general and putting yourself out there. I think that's something that a lot of students can can struggle with, especially at, you know, networking events or law fairs, you know, speaking to people and kind yes. of connecting that way. What were your kind of lessons that you learned when it came to getting up in front of people and giving these talks on diversity and all those sorts of things? For what sure. were the kind of lessons that you took from those? For sure. I took many, many, many lessons. Mm. Um, and I've been doing public speaking since I was 15. 
so when I was 15, I would present in front of my class and I present with enthusiasm because that was the only time where I actually came alive um, mm. when I was studying, when I was doing public speaking. Um, and what I learned over time when I did public speaking in front of an audience was that public speaking itself is challenging to master because mm. you have so many different types of audiences and so many different types of people, you can even easily overthink who you are speaking to. So I learned to overcome that by really creating an image in my mind that I never change. Mm. So the top tips I give to people that want to do more speaking publicly is number one, don't think that people are not listening to you. Because sometimes people do public speaking thinking, oh, they don't really know if I'm not I'm talking about, they're not listening to me, they get all of this anxiety and all of this mm. lack of self-confidence. But if you think to yourself, no, they're listening, let me keep going. You might capture somebody who wasn't actually listening, but wants to now listen because everyone else is. Mm. So having that self-confidence in what you're saying is key. The second thing is really speaking what you're saying into reality. And I say that by saying that when you're talking to people, you have to remember that they are just people, but the energy and the vibe you give to those people is something that has to live in the room. So mm. if you don't give an energy or, or a vibe in a room, you're not really going to um, engage with them in the way that you might want to. So mm. you have to really speak that existence of supportiveness and collaboration into the room to make mm. sure people do it. And finally, you just have to speak as slowly as possible, something that I am terrible at. So <laughs> you need to speak slowly because sometimes I have to change my communication style for certain audiences because it's very clear that if I speak at 100 miles per hour, it's not going to get anywhere. Mm. So just speak at a relevant pace, speak the existence of what you want in the workshop into reality through the way you deliver it by having the self-confidence in yourself um, in what you're saying. And it usually should be fine as long as you keep the eye contact and you mm. just don't hide from the audience because they can tell. So yeah, it's it's a hard thing to do. But mm. it takes time. And I guess the saying, fake it till you make it, really does apply. Mm -hmm. um, and, and practice makes perfect too. Um, I mean, I resonate with that as well because I remember going to networking events and just kind of being scared. And in a way, you know, if you can put yourself on the mindset of, uh, you know, just trying to put on a brave face and trying to keep it conversational and, you know, just going with a friend if necessary, um, you know, all of those are great little ways to kind of overcome those public nerves alongside what you just said. So yeah. thanks for that. That's awesome. <laughs> This episode of the More From Law podcast is sponsored by The Legists. Looking to find your next role or find the right employee? The Legists full service online platform can help. By using smart technology to keep the recruitment process as simple and transparent as it can be, you can filter opportunities not just by location and role, but by practice area, PQE level, employee benefits, and many other factors. If you're looking to hire, accompany job listings with pre-interview questions, categorize them effectively, and have a live listing in minutes. You can advertise all your legal vacancies with Legis at www.thelegis.co.uk, also offering free job listings for legal intern, volunteer, and training contract positions. And alongside that advice, you've also been kind of giving this advice over on LinkedIn, which is the digital space. Yeah. And um, that's culminated with uh, your LinkedIn Skills for Lawyers program. So yep. what was that all about? What was the kind of um, basis for wanting to do that and um, the kind of things that you provide through that service? Yeah, for sure. So in terms of that service, so this whole idea came off the fact that I had been using LinkedIn for a long time mm -hmm. and had seen people be using the platform, 
but they're not using it to the best effect. And these are both people that are trying to get into the industry and people that are currently in the industry. So mm. I thought to myself, why not create this program and su- support structure that allows people to really benefit from, you know, using LinkedIn as a medium to achieve their goals. Mm. So essentially, uh, we lo- I launched this. I keep saying we, I just stop saying that. It's just me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I launched this program um, at the end of January and beginning of February. Mm. And when I launched this program, the design of the program was as follows. We want to help people contextualize the experience of the LinkedIn platform. We want people to, you know, post better, to be able mm. to communicate better and to be able to um, build their professional profile in the best possible way for their purposes. So really tailoring what people are trying to achieve to what they are doing right now to give them a platform to build on, whether or not they're trying to get into the industry or consolidate their reputation within the industry. Mm. So it's been going very well so far. Um, we had the first cycle of people finish the program um, very recently and they all gave it between 8 to 10 out of 10. That's so, perfect. you know, we, we had great feedback so far um, and all of them are part of um, the process of moving forward in the program and really trying to build a network of students who are supporting each other. So it's been a success so far, but given the fact it hasn't been done, I'm not keeping my fingers crossed. I'm just taking it one day at a time <laughs> and not rushing because LPC needs to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, I know that would do well, man. Um, that's awesome. And so, you know, you've given this help to students uh, in regards to LinkedIn in the digital space. And I think you're right. I think a lot of students use it as a digital CV and they do. um, don't really understand the way to, I guess, properly engage the platform. Yeah. Um, if you could give, you know, just one snippet of advice to those listening that would kind of help them at least make a bit of an improvement on uh, the ways that they're using LinkedIn right now. Yeah. What would it be? Yes. So I would say when you are trying to post on the platform, mm. first things first, don't be scared of what people think. Because as long as you don't write about what you're doing last night in the nightclub, you're going to be just <laughs> fine. So be professional. Don't say things that can come back to bite you, especially if it's not to do with something to get your your target, which is a training contract. The second yeah. thing you need to consider when you're posting is you just need to be yourself. Don't write like anyone that's not you because everyone can see through it. So it doesn't mean that you have the right to use slang or you have the right to write in a way where you're using, you know, text speak, but just be yourself. Don't feel like you have to be someone else and, you know, just relax. And when you post, finally, understand that there are people that are looking at what you're saying, but ultimately someone can always find value in what you say. So as long as someone can find value in what you say, you said something good. So if you can take those principles into account, it should be just fine. And mostly this episode, we've talked, you know, a bit about your social enterprise and the LinkedIn space. But at the end of the day, you're a future trainee as well. Yep. <laughs> and you're balancing all this alongside the LPC. Uh, I can imagine your calendar must be pretty, <laughs> pretty wow, rammed at the moment. You have no idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, like me, you've been through that TC process. Yep. And, um, you know, we've both learned a lot of lessons, <laughs> yep. I guess, throughout Certainly. that thing. So, you know, I think everyone's story is slightly different and everyone learns, um, you know, similar lessons in different ways and vice versa. So, you know going through that TC process, what was it like for you? And Mm -hmm. what would you tell, uh, you know, listeners now who are about to take that first step in the journey or perhaps Mm -hmm. it's their fifth, sixth application cycle? Yeah, Mm -hmm. we've all been there. Um, And that whole process itself is a very challenging process, Mm -hmm. but it can be made simpler 
So I would say in terms of my journey going on to getting a training contract, the first thing is first, you just understand that it's a marathon, not a sprint, and it's a long game. So mm. for me, I always make reference to this because it really inspires me. Um, there's a musician who called Nipsey Hussle um, that had this slogan called Marathon Continues. And mm-hmm. he had the slogan because he wanted people to know that you have to keep going regardless of how long you have to go to get to your end result. And for me, that is the training contract process in a nutshell. Because mm-hmm. when you're going through these application cycles and you're saying no, no, you see the email on the title that says, you know, uh, application on to X firm. And you mm-hmm. say, dear your name, you go for it, hoping that they want you and they say no. That is a hard feeling to take. But you have to get used to that feeling and you have to get used to people saying no. So for mm-hmm. me, I got rejected multiple times at application and interview stage before I got my offer. And for me, it all boils down to the fact that I took it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. I had interviews all the way through university and after I finished. And it was so interesting that the last interview that I had, which is at the firm that I had now, was the best one yet. Because mm. I felt so relaxed and so calm, so comfortable because that's the vibe that my firm wanted to create and that's the vibe that I got and I continue to have throughout the whole process. So you need to understand it's a marathon, not a sprint. But that goes into my second point, which is you need to find the firm for you. Because mm-hmm. for me, I always thought of the training contract process as one that's very one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. As long as I find a place that wants me, I'm fine. But you need to recognise that there's so many different cultures in the legal industry and there's so many different ways you can go that you need to find a place that really suits your personality. For example, mm. my firm is great firm and they're very entrepreneurial and they're very focused on tech. And I'm also quite entrepreneurial and I'm also focused on how technology is improving the way that legal industry is evolving. So mm. for me, I feel the firm really fits in with my interests as well mm. as obviously wanting to encourage diverse inclusivity within the legal industry. So for me, I found my mix of entrepreneurship, business, tech, diverse inclusion that I can really move forward with and not everyone will have that interest so if you do I would say that you should look at firms who have that interest if you don't if you're more of a you know a more book smart lawyer you're more black letter law you might find another firm more interesting because that's what you are like as a person so I'd say find the one that suits your personality and your values and the way you, you accompany yourself and finally, I just say in the training coach application process, I think you are also a master at this and you do this way better than me. It's <laughs> understanding how to present yourself on a public platform to get yourself more opportunities. Because mm. ultimately, if you don't have a personal brand and people don't know who you are, then it's going to be very challenging for you to build that relationship to get through the doors, to get into an offer. So mm. when you're posting on the platform, be aware that your name is everything. And I've had people come to me and say, hey, cool. No, I really appreciate what Harry's doing, you know. Um, you know, I, I really want to, you know, have a conversation. And sometimes I say, yo, just reach out to him because he's a normal person. He will support you. And, mm. you know, you provide him with a relevant support when he needed it. So that's an example of how you've built yourself in a way that people have come and said, I want your support. And mm. I think that's an incredible thing. And that's something that only comes from putting yourself out there on the platform. But in a training contract sense, you need to understand people need to know who you are. You need to know what you're trying to achieve. You need to know what your strengths are in order for them to give you opportunities. No, that's high praise, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, my cheeks are blushing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but no, that, that's Turn awesome, red man. on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and uh, I think it, it also goes both ways. And uh, I think that the, the, the tip I give that's very applicable to a lot of students is, you know, just think about it practically. If a firm is thinking about offering an application to someone, they're going to they're gonna look you up on Facebook, they'll look you up on LinkedIn and Google. Yep. Just make sure there's nothing there to be embarrassed about. Yep. I think just making sure that you're careful and that you're, you know, at the end, they don't want a robotic lawyer oh, no. that, you know, doesn't have a life outside the office. <laughs> but at the same time, there shouldn't be any red flags um, out there because, uh, you know, they do their due diligence on that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, don't feel like you have to go out and start your own podcast and make an <laughs> yourself but at the same time make sure there's uh, nothing to hide either yeah. make sure <laughs> no, you do that's that. awesome absolutely and then i guess um just finally you know going through the application process um so there's some similar crossovers that you have for different firms so there's the written side and there's you know these tests that you might do in video interviews but yep. i think one of the things that really stresses candidates out is interviews and assessment centers yes. and literally being in the room with say a partner or the graduate recruitment team mm-hmm. what were your kind of tips for those sort of scenarios when it comes to mm-hmm. you know, giving good answers calming your nerves and ultimately just hopefully giving good performance at the interview stage for sure for sure no i completely agree with that Everyone is always nervous of that one-to-one interview with someone to tell whether or not they really meant what they said in the application. And I would say there's three bits of advice I would give. The first thing I would say is understand when you're speaking to someone who's quite senior, they are looking for you to say certain things so they can report back to the graduate recruitment team. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to speak in a structure that allows you to convey your points effectively. So one structure that I felt really was really good for me was the PESTLE technique, which mm-hmm. is political, economic, social, technological, eco- environmental, and legal. Almost forgot it there for a minute. Um, <laughs> I've interviewed in a while. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking in that structure allows you to contextualize any commercial or legal issue and talk about it in a way where you cover all your bases. So you understand how to talk in a way where you are covering a situation that involves your commercial acumen. Similarly, if you're on a competency interview, you want to talk about STAR. I wouldn't say stick to STAR so rigidly that you don't recognise the value of your experience because it's so easy to say, oh, there's a situation that had a task and, you know, I had an action and result. You can easily turn into a robot in that situation. Mm -hmm. And you just need to find a structure within STAR that allows you to articulate yourself in a way where you feel most comfortable. And... Mm -hmm. That's how you can structure your answers in the best in the best way. Second thing I'd say is don't shy away from the experiences that make you special. Because some students will literally say, oh, yes, um, I had um, an internship at XFAM. And, and you know that that thing was not the reason why you wanted to be a lawyer. You wanted mm-hmm. to be a lawyer because you went to court one day and you watched the case in the old Bailey and that was the thing that really drew you into the whole legal system. You then met a lawyer who told you that the commercial law industry is an industry where you advise multi-billion pound businesses. That's why you was interested in law. You don't need to skip to the internship because that wasn't what drove your interest. You can build into that, but don't start with that because sometimes it's not true. So finding answers that are true to you, but also that showcase your individuality in the process. And finally, I would say you just need to understand that some people, when you're talking to them, need to understand who you are like beyond all of the academics. Because mm. everyone is expected to have the academics. Everyone is expected to have the grades. Everyone is expected to get a 2-1, if not a first. Even if you get a 2-2, two, two, it's fine. But you need to showcase to them that you're willing to go above and beyond just the black letter law. Because as you would know... um you don't just do black letter law in LPC or your training contract. 
You have to mm. be very aware of skills that bring together, you know, a law firm's business. And you have to be able to do that in a good way. So don't just focus on academically, what have you done? What have you done in your studies? Think about the wider picture, society events, you know, whether you taught a languages, think about whether you, you did any sports. Use that context to drive that conversation because it could mean you build a more offensive relationship with the interviewer. Mm, absolutely. And those are some awesome tips. And hopefully uh, any listeners coming up with interviews will take those into it and uh, yeah, feel that they are much more confidently prepared for the day. Definitely. Um, but thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I really, really appreciate it. Where can people go more to learn more about yourself, the New Black UK and your LinkedIn Skills for Lawyers program? No worries. I'm, I'm not really on social media too much, actually. Um, yeah. I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find me at Akil Hunt. Um, on LinkedIn. Don't at a kill hunt, just write a kill hunt, it'll be fine. Um, in terms of the social enterprise, so you can find us on LinkedIn, um, on YouTube, um, the New Black UK separate words. And you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at the New Black UK one word. So you can see our work there. We've got workshops coming up over the next month or so. And we've also got more media content coming up. So we'll be able to support um, you in that sense. Um, however, aside from that, yeah, those are the main places. And for awesome. the LinkedIn Skills for Lawyers program, um, you can just drop me a message on LinkedIn, say you're interested in us and you want the further information. Awesome. That's fantastic, man. Um, thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, I really appreciate it. It's a really interesting episode. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, Harry. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the More From Law podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to support the show, please share it with your network and leave a review on the iTunes store. It's really appreciated. If you want to stay up to date on the show, follow and subscribe to the More From Law podcast on your podcast platform of choice or follow me on Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn at the profile Harry Clark Law. See you in the next episode.